Aloha, campaign peoples. My name is Jared, and this is the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast. Let me ask you something. What's your most valuable asset? What's your most prized possession? Maybe it's your house, or maybe it's your car. Let me ask you one more question. Do you really own all of that? In this episode, the underfunded, not enough time in the day, underappreciated, underestimated campaign for views continues. In this episode, we ask and answer the question, do we really own anything? Ladies and gentlemen, Jared. The Jared Show. Bonjour, hola, and aloha, peoples of the interwebs, and those listening in from elsewhere. In this episode, we continue the campaign reviews. By the way, I do not believe in aliens. Just putting it out there. But... There are some big changes coming. There's a big announcement this week. Big things happening. It's part of the reason I haven't been uploading things quite on time or on schedule. And I must confess, the biggest reason things haven't been going according to schedule is I have a full-time job that I do during the day. And because I can't do this full-time yet, things aren't going out as scheduled. Instead of making excuses and explaining things, I'd just like to say to the whole two people that listen to this, mainly my mom, mom, I love you, and I'm sorry, uh, I will try to do better. Um, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to what this episode is all about. Here is something to consider. Do you own your house? Do you own your car or boat or motorcycle? What about if you have some land or a piece of property? What about all of your possessions? Do you own all of that stuff? We are still on the campaign reviews trail, and we still somewhat talking about the political system. We've just shifted more into the system and veered away from the political side. And, well, I'm okay with that. Not a big fan of politics, in case you haven't noticed. So let's dig a dip a bit deeper into the big bad system and see what lurks just below the surface. When we come back, we'll jump right into it. Ownership. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, my name is Jared, and I am campaigning not for your vote, but for your eyes and ears. I'm running a campaign for your views on YouTube or podcast plays. I'm not interested in who you're voting for, and neither is anyone else, especially not the candidates. They already know who wins, and it ain't the American public. That's why I've started a campaign to say, ignore politics. I think it's time we all took a deep breath and got a big whiff of this political system. 
smells like bullshit. Hashtag ignore politics and hashtag views not votes. Let's get these two trending so that we the people can send a message. That we the people will not be distracted, we will not be brainwashed, and we will come together. We will focus on things that matter. Things like family, health, our personal goals in life, and helping others achieve their goals. Helping people in need and God. Don't watch out for who to vote for. View something worth watching. Something that propels you forward in life. Something that helps you get stronger, smarter, faster, better. My name is Jared, and I'm campaigning for you. Pass this show along. Tweet hashtag views not votes and hashtag ignore politics. Thank you for your time, and may God bless you. Welcome back to the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast. Who owns your house? If you finally paid off the mortgage, you can triumphantly shout, I own my own house. Or can you? First, let's get into the four categories of people when it comes to housing. Number one would be homeless. Been there, done that, and lost my t-shirt. Number two would be renters, and I'm kind of there right now. Number three, those that live in a house and rent or have a mortgage to the bank. And number four, those that have paid off the mortgage and have the deed to their house and are free and clear of any debt related to the house. To get a sense of ownership, let's cruise through these first two just real quick. Number one, homeless. I've actually been there. I lived in my car for the better part of a year. It wasn't very fun, especially when my ribs got broken and I had to still get up and go to work every day with no painkillers and just Advil. But I did it and have gotten a step above that with building my own RV out of a van. But that's a story for another day. But according to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, as of January 2020, there are as many as 3.5 million people that are homeless in the United States. So let's move on to number two. That would be renters. It's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, not really kind of getting into my situation at the moment, but um, more of a renter than living in an RV right now. But Renters, obviously a renter doesn't own their house or apartment wherever they're living. They're just a tenant. Just paying the person or people that do own the place to stay there. So now that we've kind of gone through the first two real quick, how about number three? This is where things get a bit on the sticky side. Number three is people that have a mortgage. Right? People that have quote unquote bought a home and they live in it. So let's go through the scenario a little bit. I'm gonna use myself as the guinea pig here. Uh, let's say I go out and quote unquote buy a house. Let's say the house costs an even $200,000. We can do that for um, mathematics purposes. Let's say I don't have all of that money. So I put down a, pay a down payment of 20%. So that would be $40,000 I put down to buy this house. 
and because I got a great credit score, which I don't have a good credit score, or it's 2007 and banks are lending to just anyone, which it's not 2007. Banks are definitely not lending to just anyone anymore. Let's say any one of those things happen. I have a great credit score, it's 2007 or whatever, and the bank hooks me up, which at this point they won't, but let's say that they do. So I put my $40,000 down, the bank hooks me up. Now instead of owing the person that sold me the house, now I owe the bank. And the bank says, oh, you can't pay this right now. You only make $100,000 a year, which for me right now is more like a thousand because I'm poor. And the bank says, well, okay, so you only make $100,000 a year and you can't really just save $100,000 and give it to us in two years, because, I mean, you gotta live, right? So how about, this is the bank talking, the bank says, how about we float you uh, the 160000 for, I don't know, let's say 10 years. How about 20? No, let's, let's go with 30. 30 years to pay off 160 thousand so that sounds good and you say okay I you know I'm good that sounds great I got this so now we everything's set up and now we have to set up uh, how much I pay per month so I put my forty thousand dollars down I owe a hundred and sixty thousand to the bank the bank tells me it's okay it's cool you seem like you're good for it for the next 30 years and so now let's figure out how much you're going to pay per month for 30 years. And on top of that, there's other things that you have to get into, which is going to be like things like homeowner's insurance, um, which is really just a sad phrase, and taxes and all these kind of things. So once you get all of the kind of... Um, stuff out of the way boom I own a house and I move in and uh, I guess I could say I own a house now right well no at this point it's much more like a rent to own situation the only thing is the bank if it's trustworthy and honorable will technically own the house until I pay off the money I owe to the bank so even though I don't technically own the house yet, it's still a step up from running, even running a house, because I have more say in the situation. Like for instance, if I want to change the front yard, I could put up huge 15 foot fence so no one could see my front porch, okay? I could do that, but this is where things get even more sticky. It depends on where I bought the house. It depends on what subdivision I bought the house. Let's say the subdivision might include let's or what's called a homeowners association, aka an HOA, also known as an HOA. I guess that's way too many acronyms, but the homeowners association or the HOA has some authority or power in this situation 
and they take that authority and power really seriously. Even to the point where if you leave your garbage cans out of the street too long, they can and will fine you for it. Pretty much anything you want to do, especially in the front yard, you're going to have to get the HOA to approve it first. Oh, and let's say I bought a new basketball hoop for the driveway. Not going up unless the HOA says it's a-okay. Or I could always put it up and fight with the HOA, incurring fines and even risking being kicked out of my own house. The HOA is nothing compared to what's called an Architectural Review Board, aka the ARB. Let's say I bought an old house, a really, really old house in historic downtown somewhere. The ARB, or the Architectural Review Board, is like the HOA, or the Homeowners Association, but on an energy drink, way more hyped up. We're talking about anything you do to what you call your own house has to be approved. Let's say I want to change the color of my front door. Now it's my house, right? And I decide I want my front door, let's say it was red, but I like blue better, which is actually true. The ARB, the Architectural Review Board says no. I don't think so. Not only that, if I want to change the paint on my front door, it better be the exact same color red as it was before, or as close to it as possible. And again, if I don't do that, I face fines and even risk being thrown out of my own house for not painting the front door or the windows or doing the siding correctly. Every single thing about my house, the Architectural Review Board, has to give the okay to. Same thing with the HOA, the Homeowners Association. If the Homeowners Association doesn't like the, um, the way that I park my vehicles, or um, what vehicles I have in my yard, or any of these things, they can find you and even possibly kick you out of your own house. But let's say, because I know all of this, I skipped all the HOA and ARB nonsense and bought a house out in the middle of nowhere. And I paid my mortgage every year, or let's say I inherited some money and paid the debt to the bank early. So now I don't owe that $160,000 anymore. And finally the day comes and we get to the fourth category where I pay off the last of the debt that I owe and I climb up on top of the roof. I mean, you gotta shout it from the rooftops, am I right? And I do just that. I yell at the top of my lungs, I own my own home. And as I stand there looking at my neighbors or animals, if I don't have any neighbors, as they wonder when exactly it was that I lost my mind, the full feeling hits me and I think, I don't have a mortgage payment anymore. I own my own house 
and the bank can never come and take it away from me. I own this thing, and no one can take it away from me. It's mine. I own it. But there's one little big problem, and that would be taxes. You see, the federal government has a finger in every pie, and your pie, i.e. your house, is no exception. Neither is your land. You still have to pay property taxes, and if you don't, well, good old Uncle Sam will put what's called a tax lien on your home or your land. A tax lien secures the government's interest in your property when you don't pay the taxes and it acquires a certain amount of debt. Once it acquires that certain amount of debt, a tax lien goes on to either your property or your uh, land, everything that's on that land. And what a tax lien means is it takes your property or, pro or house, your house or your land or both, the government takes over those things and can now sell that lien, okay, that, that document to anyone that's willing to buy it. So let's say that I have this house and I bought this house for $200,000, I put $40,000 down, uh, I owed $160,000 to, $160, to the bank. So I start paying them off, all of a sudden I come into a bunch of money, I pay off the bank, and now I have no more mortgage left. But even though I came into a whole bunch of money, all of a sudden, good old Corona, coronavirus, right? All of a sudden, good old COVID comes along and I can't pay my taxes anymore. So what happens is when I can't pay my taxes after a certain amount of accrued debt, the government says, hey, buddy, you owe us money. And because you owe us money, we're gonna put this document on your house, on the house that you bought, the land that you bought, everything that you own, the house that you own, uh, and now we're gonna collect that as collateral because of this debt that you owe us. So what's gonna happen is, if you don't pay that debt, we're gonna sell the ownership of your house to someone else that comes along and buys that. So let's say that I was that person that owned that house, and let's say um, Karen, because Karen, give Karen a break, okay? Let's give Karen a break here. Actually, I guess this is a bad thing, but so let's say Kyle. So a, a guy named Kyle comes along and, and buys the lien on my house, okay? So now he owns that, my house, basically, and my land, which we don't want to have. It could happen though. The world is a cruel place. Um, but what happens after that? So the new property owner, let's not name him Kyle, because I don't like Kyle's. And if I ever get in this situation, it would steam my grits. If a guy named Kyle was taking over my house. Let's name him Steve. I like Steve's. Steve's are good. Steve has bought the tax lien on my house. And hopefully I don't even get in this situation anyway. But I'm using myself as a guinea pig here, so you can get a kind of real-world instance in this. The, the person within a situation, not just something on paper, right? So I'm this person that's in this situation, 
right? Hopefully I will never be in this situation, God forbid. And God willing that I don't get there. But this is what we're talking about. I'm trying not to jinx myself or curse myself here, but I do want to put a human element in this, okay? So at this point, Steve says, hey man, your house looks great. You can pay me that money. How about that? So Steve comes along and now he's the new property owner. It's not me anymore. And Steve, depending on how good a guy he is, decides, hey, you know what? I want to foreclose. And he can force me out of my own house. A levy, so not a lien, but a levy, is actually when the government takes the property outright to pay for the tax debt. So let's recap here. So we went from homeless, which I've been there, to RV, which I'm kind of right there, to renter, kind of, to homeowner slash mortgage renter, to homeowner, and if we don't pay the taxes, guess what? We're right back to homeless. Now that we have a better idea of how this system is twerking, when we come back, we'll take a look at everything else you own. We'll be right back, right after this. Hey there, my name is Jared, and I am campaigning not for your vote, but for your eyes and ears. I'm running a campaign for your views on YouTube or podcast plays. I'm not interested in who you're voting for, and neither is anyone else, especially not the candidates. They already know who wins, and it ain't the American public. That's why I've started a campaign to say, ignore politics. I think it's time we all took a deep breath and got a big whiff of this political system. <sighs> Smells like bullshit. Hashtag ignore politics and hashtag views not votes. Let's get these two trending so that we the people can send a message. That we the people will not be distracted, we will not be brainwashed, and we will come together. We will focus on things that matter. Things like family, health, our personal goals in life and helping others achieve their goals. Helping people in need and God. Don't watch out for who to vote for. View something worth watching, something that propels you forward in life, something that helps you get stronger, smarter, faster, better. My name is Jared, and I'm campaigning for you. Pass this show along. Tweet hashtag ViewsNotVotes and hashtag IgnorePolitics. Thank you for your time, and may God bless you. Welcome back to the Jared Show Knowledge podcast so maybe the good old government took your house but you still got your boat you can live on a car you can drive and maybe even some cool stuff like a tools or a motorcycle and, and you still got a thriving business right everything it's it's okay it's gonna be all right ah but here's the rub you see you remember the whole tax lien thing where if you don't pay your taxes the good old GOV will take your house and your land? Well, the same applies to everything else you quote unquote own. This is directly from the IRS.gov. says if you don't pay or make arrangements to settle your tax debt, 
The IRS can levy, seize, and sell any type of real or personal property that you own or have an interest in. This includes everything within your possession. Your boat, motorcycles, and tools. Anything and everything, including your business, should you own one. The IRS claims to be able to even garnish wages directly from your personal bank account so that they know how much money you have at all times and can take a certain percentage from every paycheck or really whenever they feel like it. So, now then, remind me of what it is that you own again. Now is a good time to take a look at what the word ownership means exactly. Ownership, the act, state, or right of possessing something. You know, when I was little, I never really thought of ownership. I was always a kind of what's mine is yours kind of kid, to the chagrin of my parents. I would let people borrow things and sometimes get it back, sometimes not. Sometimes get it back and broken and useless. And then even though I had gotten it back, I still didn't have it because it was broken and didn't work. I used to give my old toys away and it drove my mom crazy. As I got older and got a job, I quickly, quickly realized why it drove her crazy. Because my parents had worked hard to give me the things that I had. And when I just gave them away, it felt like a slap in the face towards all the hard work that they had put in to get me those things. The more I worked and the older I got, I started looking at ownership. What it means to say something is mine. What my stuff meant to me. And I started to look at things pretty much like everyone else does now, I think. If I own something, it's mine. And no one has the right to take it away from me. And if they do, that's called stealing. If I buy a new bike and someone takes it from me, that's called stealing. And if I catch whoever stole it, I can turn them in and that person would get in trouble. Ownership. Possession. Right? But how does ownership factor into the idea of tax liens, levies, and foreclosures? The system we live in, what's going on just beneath the surface? That sounds much more like we are renting our house, our cars, and pretty much everything we have from the federal government. What's weird about all this, and it, it's, it still perplexes me to this day, but just to exist, just to live on this earth, just to have a job, have a place to live, in pretty much any country, but especially in the United States, you have to pay just to exist. Or we can have everything we possess, everything we own, taken away. 
Not only can we have everything we possess taken away, we can have our freedom taken away and be locked in jail indefinitely. I ask the questions that come to mind given these facts. How is this freedom? How is it we own anything? Can we ever own anything? Can we ever own anything and be free? To do what we want with what we have. Here's the thing, I'm not saying I have an answer to this. I'm not saying I don't feel like I have freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of expression. I'm not saying that we should march in some street, riot and loot and steal. What I am saying is this. Isn't this interesting? They say that the first step to recovery is recognizing you have a problem. They say the first step to understanding and knowledge is recognizing your own ignorance. I say, maybe there is something to being within that system, and maybe not. At least now that we know these things, or if even if we already knew them, we can be more mindful of them and have that freedom of choice instead of just being told what to do. Go to school, get good grades, get a good job, buy a house, pay a mortgage for 30 years. Maybe now we can think outside the box and discover something new, or maybe not. You know, I look around me, especially at the neighborhoods near where I am, and as I'm running, as I'm walking, I just recently took up running. As I walk and as I run, I look at these neighborhoods, I look at these, these houses, people that live in these houses, and I see people that seem happy with their lot in life. People that are sucked in to this system and so immersed in that, this lifestyle that there's no way, way they will ever get out. They work that job and pay that mortgage until the day they die, probably. I see that and I think, maybe that's not so bad. And it's true, maybe that's not so bad. But we always have to look at both sides of things, or at least try to. Maybe those people are drowning in debt and they are so concerned with how they are gonna pay the property tax that it keeps them up and Maybe they are so worried that they will not only lose their house, but their kids will have to move and leave their friends and life as they know it will cease to exist. I think coronavirus has shown us this dark underbelly of worry within these fragile lives we've set up. This eggshell structure of housing and ownership. The delicate balance between ignorance and power. I do want to stop and pause here. Now, usually I write these, these kind of scripts out. I think I can, I, I need to kind of go off script a little bit. Although STTS is a good thing to remember to stick to the script. But I think I need to address maybe some of the counter-arguments to what I'm saying here. And the ideas that uh, 
you know, why wouldn't you pay your taxes? You know, all, all these countries, every country around the world has to own all the land within that country or it really wouldn't be a country. Um, it would be a bunch of separate countries. So the system that we have is kind of as good as it gets and it's really not that bad and all these kind of things. I'm not saying that it is. I'm not saying that everything is so terrible and woe is me and the sky is falling. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is, is what we've set up, what we have going on, I think we should be aware of. You know, I, I think it's much more fragile than we allow ourselves to think. And I think when something big happens, we tend to see that. You know, those that do what they have been led to believe is the right thing, and those that take everything they can get from anyone, including families. Families that have a mortgage, kids, school functions, familiar places, lives. Those lives can be completely changed at the drop of a hat or a stock market drop, whichever you deem more indicative of how the American economy is doing. You know, like I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that the sky is falling and what a corrupt system. I think it's pretty obvious that our system is corrupt. Over the past several episodes, I've really outlined kind of what's going on around us so that you have the choice to be involved in these things or not. That's really what it comes down to. I think at the end of the day, I choose somewhat to be involved, you know, I am getting older and I, I do think about buying a house or being able to rent a house or a piece of property or land or, you know, do these kind of things. Um, I do have dreams and goals and aspirations in, in those categories, but at the end of the, at the, end of the day, I look at, at what these things mean. And I think there's pros and cons on both sides, you know. I have a thing now when I eat dinner every night. I watch uh, The Wonder Years. I've been doing it for, I don't know, a month or so. Maybe a little longer. Um, maybe a little longer, I'm not sure. But it, it's interesting. You watch shows like The Wonder Years or um, Home Improvement. And you see the, the good side of this lifestyle that I'm talking about that I seem to be railing against, but I'm really not. I'm just explaining there's two sides of a coin here, right? And there are reasons that people choose not to go in these directions. For me, I, it was kind of just because I went along with the flow and I didn't really start making up my mind until later on in my life um, and I'm okay with, with where I'm at what I'm doing um, and things may change I don't know but at the end of the day and I know I say that many times take a shot every time I say at the end of the day right um, I'm gonna get a t-shirt I'm gonna put at the end of the day um, but at the end of the day <laughs> um, you know I, I don't think there's there's a particular set of ground rules that make sure that you have the best life. I, I just don't think that exists. I think this American dream, this, um, this idea 
that you get good grades in school and do your best and go to college and, and you know on the one hand you're supposed to party your ass off and be part of a fraternity and meet people you'll know for the rest of your life and and have the most amazing experiences and at the same time that there's all this pressure to have the most amazing experience in college you're also supposed to graduate with honors and be the valedictorian of your school of harvard and you know get the biggest diploma so you can get the best job in the world and make the most amount of money while being fulfilled in every way shape and form you know and then once you've worked for a total of however long it is let's say 40 years you get to graduate and do whatever the fuck you want to i i think that idea and i've said this before i'll say it again is archaic i, I don't think it exists anymore i really don't i, I think that idea died with the generation before me i think anybody that grew up with the internet that idea has died the idea of going to you know getting good grades going to college getting a good job and retiring that idea i mean nowadays you're seeing it right now with baby boomers and these people that are starting to retire and are, and just don't have enough money from social security and all these you know, pensions and these things that were set up for them to be able to live that way. They're just not going to have enough money to really even exist. I mean, you go to any Walmart and you're going to see an older person, usually, some, a lot of times, there to greet you at the door. Because, you know, it's not always because they need money. A lot of times those people do that just because they're bored. And I get that. I mean, you got to keep moving, keep the water stirred. But... Sometimes it is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, in my generation, the ones after me, and, and maybe even the one before me, that is looking at, you know, what's that going to be like when I retire? Um, I'm not quite at that age. I, it is in the back of my mind, but, um, you know, it's, it's, we live in a different world. That system does not work. It hasn't for 40, 50 years. There's no set path or direction that's going to give you the best life possible. I, I, I do think, you know, looking at Wonder Years, the show Wonder Years, great show. Um, looking at Home Improvement, great show. Tim Allen's hilarious. Um, you know, looking at those things, I, I, I do see the benefit of that lifestyle. And if you're 20 and you that's what you want to do, then go for it, you know? I, not, I don't think there's a whole lot that's wrong there, um, but it's a trade-off. You know, there's pros and cons. You know, if you've got three kids, you got three kids. You ain't going to India at, at the spur of a hat. It ain't gonna happen, right? But if you go to India, chances are you might not be able to have three kids. You know, you gotta take those trade-offs, and that's all I'm saying right now. Is we're looking at the other side. I'm not saying that, you know, I think there really is a dark underbelly, like I said, I think what we've set up really is fragile, um, as far as, you know, the ignorance that some people seem to have of, I own my own home, it's like, you don't, you don't own anything, though, you never have owned anything, um, if the government so deems, they can take your house anytime you really want to. 
And we kind of shove that aside and say, well, that doesn't really matter. And, and most of the time, 95% of the time, it doesn't matter. You know, but it's something to be aware of. You know, the fact that the, the system itself is so fragile is something to be aware of. You know, the fact that the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, all of these things, you know, don't necessarily guarantee you anything. They guarantee you some privileges, like George Carlin says. They guarantee you privileges, but they're not necessarily rights if they can be taken away at any time. Right? So, I, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, it, it takes something big for us to understand this. Um, you know, a lot of people use the stock market as an indication of how the American economy is doing. Personally, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this, I'm not really going to back it up at the moment, which I hate to do, but um, personally I think that the stock market and money is just numbers on the screen. Um, eventually I'll be able to explain that a little bit more, a fiat currency system, and how the stock market itself works, which is mostly speculation. That there's, it's, it's basically how we went into a recession with derivatives back in 2008. So in 2008, the banks were selling a bunch of promissory notes that really didn't mean anything, right? And they called derivatives. You can go look up derivatives on your own, but basically it was, it was shells of something. And um, it was just a shell game, right? And so it, the, the stock market is kind of like that where, and, and you know, even money itself, when you get into a fiat currency system, um, they're not really backed by a whole lot, right? The reason that they're not backed is every single part of our economy has to do with valuation and speculation. How much we perceive it to have a value. And that's pretty much it. There's no intrinsic value to our money, right? You can't change the dollar in for gold, anything substantial, right? And it's the same thing with the stock market. The stock market, the intrinsic value of how much this company is making, and so each stock is worth, is, it, it equates to the revenue that this company is producing. Again, the, the, that intrinsic value, much like gold, and a fiat currency are very much separate. Okay? So you can use the stock market all you want to. Um, I just don't think that it's the same as it used to be. You know, and speaking of the stock market, um, some people do use that as the indicator for the American economy. You know, in 1929, the stock market crashed. And people lost millions. Millions back then is like billions today. I mean, it was like huge. People jumped out of their office buildings and plummeted to their death because life as they knew it was gone. Sometimes it takes an event like that or something like coronavirus to show us just how fragile this balance between power and people truly is. When we get back, 
we'll start getting into the age-old saying, he who owns the gold makes the rules. We'll be right back, right after this. Hey there, my name is Jared, and I am campaigning not for your vote, but for your eyes and ears. I'm running a campaign for your views on YouTube or podcast plays. I'm not interested in who you're voting for, and neither is anyone else, especially not the candidates. They already know who wins, and it ain't the American public. That's why I've started a campaign to say, ignore politics. I think it's time we all took a deep breath and got a big whiff of this political system. <sighs> Smells like bullshit. Hashtag ignore politics and hashtag views not votes. Let's get these two trending so that we the people can send a message. That we the people will not be distracted, we will not be brainwashed, and we will come together. We will focus on things that matter. Things like family, health, our personal goals in life and helping others achieve their goals, helping people in need, and God. Don't watch out for who to vote for. View something worth watching, something that propels you forward in life, something that helps you get stronger, smarter, faster, better. My name is Jared, and I'm campaigning for you. Pass this show along. Tweet hashtag ViewsNotVotes and hashtag IgnorePolitics. Thank you for your time, and may God bless you. Welcome back to the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast. Wow, we are getting um, depressing, aren't we? No. Thank you for sticking around. Um, I do apologize this kind of bringing you down. I'm not trying to bring you down. Just trying to kind of bring you out by bringing it out. The system of things and how things actually work. For once, we know and see how things truly are. Then we can make informed decisions and have true freedom. That's what it's all about. Personally, peeking behind the curtain at what's really going on, for me, is exciting. And I feel a sense of liberation by being able to decide for myself. And I'm not saying I'm any different than you. I still have to go to work. I still have to make money and work to eat. Will till the day I die. You know, not that's not ever gonna change. You know, life still goes on. I'm not above that system of things. Just like you, caught in the same system. Perhaps I see it a bit differently, and perhaps my goals and what I follow is a bit different. Really? But really, I'm just a normal guy trying to get by. That's it. I'm not a millionaire. I don't make millions of dollars doing this stuff. Um, you know, I don't have any sponsors. I'm not monetized in any way. I'm just putting it out there. You know? But aside from me, you know, there are some that have risen above politics. There are some that have risen above ownership. There are some that have risen above money. That's where he who owns the gold makes the rules comes in. 
I briefly, I briefly touched on this idea, but here I'll expand on it just a little bit more. You see, if you still have a net worth or a dollar amount next to your name, you are still in the system. You're still the same as the rest of us. People like Bill Gates, Donald Trump, Warren Buffett, even Jeff Bezos. I don't know, if you don't know who Jeff Bezos is, Jeff Bezos is supposedly the owner, CEO of um, Amazon. I'm not sure he's the CEO anymore. He's the owner of the Amazon. He is worth over, uh, probably at this point, over $200 billion. Billion with a B. Okay? Even him, even Donald Trump, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, they are all still part of the system. If you have a number next to your name, you're still part of the system. It's not until one gains control of the system that one can get out of the system. Money or currency is the lifeblood of this system that we're talking about. The big bad system. We've all heard the saying, money makes the world go round. And that's true for just about everything in this world. For most of us, money is above everything. It's above laws. If you have enough money, you can get away with anything. Even murder. Money is above governments in a couple of ways. The U.S. government has been corrupted through and through because of money. One is lobbyists. We've been over this, but just in case you missed it, special interests, otherwise known as big business, uh, pay politicians large sums of money in order to get legislation through that helps them profit. Whether it be through financial means or physical laws that allow for more productivity at the expense of our environment, safety, or freedom, big business jams through legislation that helps them make more money. But that balance of power turned quite a long time ago. It used to be the government had the power, and big business wanted to change things to help it profit. The balance turned when big business got the government to enable laws so that now big business has the power and government really just works for them. Big businesses like Walmart, McDonald's, and whole industries like big pharmaceutical companies, aka Big Pharma, the government works for big business now, not the other way around. A good example of this is you can go watch the movie that came out, I think, in 1971. It's a movie called Network. N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Network. Interesting movie. Faye Dunaway and a few other people in it. And in there, there's a place where the president of the company president of the media company so basically network is about uh, I think his name is Howard Beale and he is a anchor for a news broadcast and he comes on and loses his mind one day and just starts going after it I've, I'm tired I'm sick of it and I'm not gonna take it anymore I'm mad as hell and I'm not gonna take it anymore 
he starts going off and they roll with it. Everybody rolls with it. And he keeps gaining followers and people kind of jump in. They're like, yeah, that's right. That's what's up. And he goes after it and goes on and on and on. And it keeps going, keeps going. Until all of a sudden, he touches, he hits a nerve with the people that own the company that he, he's a part of. So think about it in, in terms of like Fox News, right? So Rupert Murdoch. So let's say I work for Fox News, which I would never work for Fox News. But let's say I work for Fox News and um, I'm talking a bunch of crap and people are with me and yeah, you know, that's all those Democrats and blah, 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 right? And all of a sudden I say, you know what? You know what's crazy? Rupert Murdoch said some stuff and I'm gonna go, I'm going after Rupert Murdoch, right? Or let's say CNN and Ted Turner, right? But um, let's stick with Fox. So I say, hey, this guy, the owner of Fox News and all that, I start saying a bunch of stuff. Well, that guy calls me in his office and he explains how things work. This is 1971. I, I could be wrong here. But I'm pretty sure it's 1971 is when this movie comes out. I think I, th- you know, I, I think I am wrong on that one. I think it comes out later on, like late 70s. Um, anyway, it's in the 70s. I know that. So Rupert Murdoch, or the owner of the station that Howard Beale is saying all these things on, brings him into the office and tells him there are no nations there are no countries anymore there is only ibm and tnt and at&t like there are no countries this is the 70s they're talking about that coincidentally that's when the fiat system the fact that our gold that gold did not back the u.s dollar anymore those two things kind of happened around the same time so fiat system took over the entire world so just about no currency is backed by any tangible means that's why all those numbers and I say this that's why all those numbers are they're they're just numbers on a screen they don't mean anything you know the national debt and inflation and all this other stuff you know the the stock market and how much the Dow Jones and indexes and the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 and all these I've delved into the stock market I've actually played in and messed around in the stock market a little bit I'm here to tell you all of that stuff is just numbers on a screen people make money and they gain more numbers and they lose more numbers right but at the end of the day it's just numbers on a screen and there's a reason I won't get into that right now, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. The government works for big business now, you know, Walmart, some of these big corporations like those, especially places like Disney. Do you have any idea how, how much Disney owns? Like all the different channels that they own, like Discovery and all these, all the different companies that Disney owns. You know, they're major conglomerates. There's really only about five of them. And government works for them. I mean, they, they do what they're told to do. Um, and we've been over a lot of this stuff. But 
you know, those businesses, they're, they're still under laws. So the conglomerates that we're talking about, they're still under laws. They can have them be changed, you know, if they say, okay, well, we can't dump sludge into Lake Michigan. They can change that and say, well, you know, there's, what they do is they raise the limit. This is where they parts per million and all these kind of things. Well, we, we can, you can only have, you know, uh, 1,000 parts per million, da, 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 right? And basically what they're saying is you can only dump a certain amount, right? At the end of the day, you're like, well, no, we, we can't do that. We can't dump anything in Lake Michigan. But they come along as they push that envelope bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they create a little, they set what's called set precedence. And they say, well, you can dump a little bit, but it can't have too much of this, right? So parts per million, it can only have 1,000 parts per million, right? So instead of saying, no, you can't do that, it says, well, you can do a little bit. So they can change those laws any time they want to. They can do whatever they need to. Um, at the very highest levels. Um, you know, there are lower level people that say, hey, I don't want to do that. That's not okay. I mean, I, I'm not saying everybody that works at a corporation or a business or a conglomerate just has no morals or values or is, you know, just a monster. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, you know, greed is a very real thing within the corporate world. I think we all know that very, it's, it's an easy thing to understand. People are greedy. They want as much as they can get. Um, and all of us are no exception to that, you know. So when it comes to being able to change a law that says you can dump this or you can do that or whatever, if that person has convinced themselves enough of something, they will start convincing the Congress and all these kind of people pay as much money as they have to and then there will be a law that comes and, and they'll get it changed. It's called greasing the wheels. But it's not big business that's in control. Yeah, they can have laws changed. And they go in and out. Much like uh, Dick Cheney and Halliburton back in the early 2000s, um, they go in and out of office, you know, from CEO of one place to, you know, vice president and, you know, whoever, you know, they flow back and forth very easily. But still, those are the people that are not in control. Like I said at the very beginning of this, if you have a name, if you have a number next to your name, you're not above the system. You're not out of the system. You're still part of it. So even though businesses have all this control and they can change laws, they're still part of the system. Okay? And we won't even get into the fact that a corporation is actually its own legal entity. We'll save all that stuff for later. But um, what I'm saying is, is that, that even businesses are still not the ones that are in control. It's those that control money. Those are the ones in control. Those are the ones in control of business, law, government, and it trickles down from government. Like I said, those, he who controls the gold makes the rules. At this point, it's 
the fiat currency, and it's even worse than controlling the gold because nobody can get control of that gold. So let's say that, for instance, there was because there's only there's only so much gold, right? And the scarcity of how much gold, the the limited amount of how much gold there is on the face of the earth, gives it a certain amount of worth. Okay. So I think gold is right now like I don't know. It's probably like seventeen hundred an ounce. I think something like that. I don't know. Maybe a pound. I think it's an ounce. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at that in a long time. Last time I knew it was actually like four hundred an ounce. I'm way off. But um, if I had all of the gold in the world, then I could tell you how much that gold is worth. Okay. So if I had the majority of all the gold in the world, let's say there was a hundred pounds of gold in the world, and every single person in the world decided that gold was the way that we were going to go, and that's how we're going to trade back and forth, and these kind of things. And I own, let's say, 52 pounds of gold. So because I own 52 pounds of gold, I can tell everybody else how much it's worth, right? Because I own the majority of it. So because I own the majority of it, and I tell you, hey, by the way, now gold is worth $5,000 an ounce, right? Well, the people that have a lot are gonna say, well, cool, all right, that means I got a lot of money. The people that have a little are gonna say, hey, I don't like that, it doesn't make sense. What's more is if I have all this gold, and I'm telling people how much it's worth and all these kind of things. Now I, I kind of make the rules as to what the government does, who does what, the laws. I make all the laws. I make It's like uh, Mayor Rothschild, um, the head of the European banking cartel, said, um, Give me control over currency, and I care not who makes the country's laws. So... He who owns the gold is the one that makes the rules. The problem is, is that at a certain point with that gold, right, somebody could rob me and take all my gold, and now they have all the gold, and there's nothing I can do about it. Or I could rob them back and go back and forth. But now what we have is what's called a fiat currency, which means that it's there's no intrinsic value in a dollar bill. And the people that make the value of, of what a dollar bill means, how much it's worth right now. Um, you know, not what it used to be. That's why you see inflation. And you can see like $40,000, you know, back in 1960 meant a lot more than it means now, right? Because, you know, back in 1960, you could take five cents and go get a bunch of candy bars, right? Now you need five dollars to go get a bunch of candy bars, right? So because of that inflation now, he who controls the inflation or how much money is worth controls the rules. He who owns the gold, the difference is now nobody can ever steal that control. Nobody can ever regain that control. Nobody can ever change that power over because you can never get the gold or the intrinsic value thing that those people are in control of. So because 
that will never, ever, ever, ever change. He who owns the gold makes the rules will never change. That's our problem that we deal with. And it's, it's a thing that people don't really understand. They don't really get into. And for me, how money works and where it comes from is actually a very interesting topic. Um, one, I'd, I'd really rather not get into. I've explained fiat currency a little bit, but as far as like fractional banking and uh, reserve banking, that's what that is. Where you have to keep in like 10% and how all that kind of works, how you end up, you know, starting with a dollar and you end up with a thousand and all these kind of things. Um, I, I think we're going to get into that um, either in the next episode or, or future episodes. Um, in the next episode, I, I do want to get into a little bit deeper of the concepts that I'm, I'm explaining here. Um, but as we wrap things up here, I, I want to lighten things up a, a bit and maybe explain a couple things. You know, uh, perhaps you've listened to every show so far of this podcast, um, and it feels like this podcast is turning into a ranting conspiracy theory kind of thing. Maybe you listened to uh, some of these podcasts and you thought this podcast was going to be all sports or something. Um, and you, you've kind of made it this far, and maybe you're wondering where all this is headed. The answer to that is quite easy. Um, this podcast is about knowledge. Sometimes knowledge isn't something we want to know. Um, maybe it's something, you know, maybe we find that boring. I mean, I used to find history boring. Now I love history. Um... It's, it's interesting to know where things come from. It's interesting to know how things got the way they are. Not always, don't get me wrong. Um, and and I, I really can't help that. Um, I find all these things interesting, looking at how the political system works rather than being sucked into the whole nasty mess that is politics. I, I think just makes more sense to me. Um, when I hear or see these things that I'm talking about, you know, fiat systems and history and, you know, fractional banking and, and how these things work and all this kind of stuff, um, I think it excites me. Um, it excites me to, to know more. You know, in school, I didn't really like school very much, which is interesting. Like, I, I didn't really like learning from a textbook. I didn't... You know, Paul Revere wrote on, you know, in 1492, whoop-de-doo, and, and that kind of stuff. I didn't really enjoy that, that kind of thing um, until I got out of school. And, and I started realizing how these things have an effect on my life. How, you know, money works affects my life every day. Um, you know, and choosing to be within that system and, and dealing with those things or not, you know, um, and having the real choice to be able to do that. Um, here's the thing, though, I, I, I try not to dwell on these things. Um, you know, the how the government works and the political system and fiat currency and, and all this stuff. I, I don't really dwell on all that stuff. I think it's important to know Right, and so I, I talk about it, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm not walking around thinking about all this stuff all day long. 
Um, I think about a lot of different things. Sports is one of them, and, and that's what this podcast is about. Um, right now, over the last several weeks, we have talked about politics, the political system, the system as a whole, and how things work, but it, it doesn't mean that we will continue to dwell on all these things. I plan on doing more sports commentary, more current events, more history, funny stuff, cool stuff, things I've learned, things I've seen. Um, I'd like to do some other things too, like interviews, much more. Uh, there's an announcement coming out this week, um, something I've been planning for quite some time. Uh, both of these podcasts were never really designed to be the end of the line. They're just kind of stepping stones to a much bigger broader picture. Um, while I do enjoy doing these podcasts, I do have an announcement coming out that will be changing things quite a bit starting after this week. So be sure to check it out. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you're not feeling helpless and overwhelmed um, and, and getting an overwhelming feeling of dread. Right? Just remember, there is something much higher than all of us and control. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode. Look for the next episode titled He Who Owns the Gold Makes the Rules. Thanks again for watching or listening and as always and in always may God bless you. Thanks. Gentlemen, boys and girls, the J J J Jared, the Jared Show.